The reading this morning is taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 to 18, and can be found on page 637 of the Bibles in the alcoves. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good to see you all. Thank you for that reading, Karen. Hope you're all well. Sophie's laughing at me. That's always a good start. (laughs) Now, as we've already heard uh, today, I'm preaching on generosity, which is a subject close to my heart. I support a generous football team, generously giving goals to the opposition on a regular basis. And... uh, Generosity is so important as well. Speaking as a vicar, there are two things, at least two things, that you really want when you're thinking about joining a church. One is that it's generous, and the other is that it's prayerful. And I'm glad to say I've found this church to be both. And we want to build on that today. We're also preparing for Generosity Week, as uh, we've heard. And uh, I want to start uh, by way of introduction, uh, because today I am thinking about the effects of generosity. I'm also thinking about the needs of this church. So this is my stewardship sermon, if you like, as well. But I want to start with a question, which is putting our finger on the assumption that we bring into thinking about this subject. Who knows what's best for us? Or to put it another way, who knows best how to make us feel good? Is it ourselves or is it God? Now, I don't know what your answer is, but I'm going to make a punt that if we're Christians, for most of us, if not all of us, when we sit down and think about it, we realize it surely has to be God. For he's the one who made the universe and who, know, and who knows and loves us better than we actually know and love 
ourselves. So surely he knows what's best for us. For he wrote the manual, the instructions for living, in which the book of Proverbs is a central and much-loved part. And none more than this passage we just heard read, which is all about a life of wisdom, fruitfulness, and peace. But what stops us choosing it is fear. Fear of letting go of our resources and fear of giving control over to God. So I want to pray now into that fear and into that opportunity to enjoy God's blessings in full. Let's pray. Father God, cast out that fear from our lives. Help us to give ourselves fully to you. Inspire us to receive that fullness of life when we are completely open to your, pan, your plans and the work of your church and the role we can play. Amen. Okay, on with the sermon. And I've got a really simple structure for this one. Uh, basically, first, we're going to look at what the passage tells us from Proverbs 3. And secondly, what is God calling us to as a church at this time? And I don't want to overlook the fact that actually we've heard some stories and we will hear some stories about acts of generosity that are unplanned and the power that they have. But today I'm primarily focusing on what is planned and what part the church and supporting it should and can play in our lives. So let's start with fear. We talked about fear um, yes, last week and, um, and I've alluded to it uh, today as well. And actually fear hinders so much of our peace and well-being. But the antidote to fear, that negative fear, is not to get rid of fear altogether. It's actually a different sort of fear. The right sort of fear, which actually the book of Proverbs is all about. We see it right at the beginning, verse 7, chapter 1, when it tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what is this godly fear? This good fear? I think it's this. It's remembering that God is God and we are not. And reflecting that in loving reverence for him. That includes submission to his lordship and to the commands of his word with the sacrifices that that brings. God is our king, and we've sung about that in the time of worship. But even as we stand in awe of him, we can rejoice. And by remembering his love and goodness and knowledge and power, we can find our peace by placing everything into his hands. 
So we see this reflected in the opening words of our reading that are worth re, uh, rereading, retelling. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil, and this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now those words at the end, health to your body and nourishment in, to your bones, I take those in the round as a promise of wholeness and well-being, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, something that surely we all desire. But what then follows after that general introduction, those general instructions? What's the first thing the writer to the Proverbs decides to tell us that's a specific action in response to this general idea of trusting the Lord in everything? Well, it's this. It's generosity with our resources, the starting point for a wise and fruitful life. And that's why we're talking about that today. As we read, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. The same principle actually Paul spoke about a thousand years later in 2 Corinthians 9, saying, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. These are not just warm words. This is not just you know, beautiful prose or however you want to, you know, think of it from a, a linguistic point of view. Actually, these are promises. These are principles for living that God has set out for the whole of mankind, for the whole of history. And if we live by them, he will not let us down. So what do those principles tell us? They tell us that this is God's intention and expectation for all of us and that giving generously is about honouring him. And it's about making him the number one priority, making the main thing the main thing in our lives. For that's what giving God the first fruits of our crops means, putting first things first. Now, of course, we don't live in an agricultural age, or at least most of us don't work in that sector. So this is not saying if you happen to have a few plants, you know, a tomato plant, give God the first fruits of that. It's a metaphor for us, for all that we have. I don't think I need to tell you that. that that's obvious in a sense. So in a modern context, it means resolving to give our tithe our giving to God as a binding commitment before we make decisions about anything else. Not giving him the leftovers, but serving him first. So put all this together 
and what do we learn? That God offers us a life of peace and fulfillment. Amen. That trusting him with everything is the key. And that the right place to start is with our finances, giving to God first, reflecting his love and lordship over our lives. But why is this good for us? Why does the passage effectively tell us that you never lose out with God? Because of the big picture of what this commitment means. That we're joining with him in partnership. He is generous and so he calls us to be generous. We love because he first loved us. And because we're living then with integrity, doing what we're called to, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And because we'll be enjoying that partnership and integrity, having the joy of also knowing what we're allowing to happen through resourcing the vital ministry of the church, through which, of course, as individuals and as families, we truly benefit but which is also benefiting many other children, young people and adults who are coming to faith, growing in faith or hearing about faith. And we're blessed by allowing the knowledge of how they are being blessed and of the growth of the kingdom through our giving and allowing that to fill us with satisfaction and joy. One of the great resources that we have as Christians is to look at Paul's prayers and what he says about himself. And much of the time when he writes in those letters, he's in prison. He's facing a death sentence. Or he's got some other pretty major reason to be miserable. And yet he tells us about the joy and the fulfillment he feels because of what he knows God is doing in others, growing the kingdom and bringing others to faith. And we can allow that to fuel us too. We can found our, find our joy and contentment not by clinging onto our resources, but by giving freely and being thrilled with what God is doing as a result. But it's more than that. And I'm starting to hint at this now. It's also about the freedom to let go of that clinging on. Think about your hands clinging on to what we have. And actually, it's the freedom of letting go in openness. And the parallel that we can draw here, or one of them, is forgiveness. Do you remember last week in the service, we had quite a lot of prophetic words about there were some people here, or at least one person, who was holding back on forgiving someone and that was holding them back from the blessing and the freedom and the peace that God had for them and it's the same with giving if we hold back from giving God what is God's then we become something much less than who we can be we're, we're shrunken we're constrained we're held back from that freedom of being who we were meant to be, giving everything to God. And in the same way, we're a pale shadow 
We're deprived of that joy and that ability to know that we are giving everything to God from that peace of knowing we're playing our part. And that's what God wants for us, that sense of authenticity, that sense of we're there, we're living it out. He doesn't want us to be more stressed. He actually wants the complete opposite. And just as going to the gym, for example, is hard work and involves sacrifice, but leaves us feeling satisfied with the physical health and strength it gives us. So actually when we give and exercise those spiritual and financial muscles, we end up pleased and delighted at the spiritual strength and impact of what we do. Of the fact that it's growing goodness in us. We're becoming something greater than our previous selves. It's growing a generous spirit in us. It's growing kingdom-heartedness in us. And we're becoming authentic disciples. Where we are what it says on the tin. And knowing too, and this is part of it, and this is the bit that we sometimes struggle to believe, but God will give abundantly in return. The Bible promises as we honour the Lord with our wealth, then our barns will be filled to overflowing. Now I realise most of us don't have barns. If we're lucky, we've got a shed. But it's not talking about that. It's not talking about multiple lawnmowers <laughs> or lovely garden chairs. It's a metaphor again. And it's saying not that if you give for every pound, you'll get another pound back in a particular way at a particular time. But in the round, in the big picture, it's saying that God will bless us if we give abundantly to him. And he will bless us abundantly, as we heard from 2 Corinthians, so that all times, having all that we need, we can continue to abound in every good work. It's a recycling of resources and blessing in the divine economy, his glorious cycle of grace. And this truly is the wisdom, as our passage told us, that is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold and whose ways are pleasant ways and whose paths are full of peace. So that's the biblical teaching. What then are the needs that we're addressing today as we seek to increase our income to resource God's vision for this church? Well, as I wrote in my email on Thursday, this is actually a natural extension of what we felt called to do before. Now, if you remember, we had a gift day two and a half years ago, and we felt led as a church leadership then to come to you with a proposal that we felt God was telling us to appoint a full-time children's pastor and families pastor that we believed would help unlock the untapped potential of this church, that would bring the next generation through in terms of attracting new families to Sunday services, that would sow many more seeds in the mission field of our three schools in the parish, and that would draw in many other families to the many events and activities that we run to bring people into the life of the church, whether that's at the seasonal times of the year or through the many other special events that we run. Now, this was very much trusting in the Lord, in the words of, this, of Proverbs, 
with our heart and not leaning on our own understanding because we couldn't afford it. And yet he delivered as you responded so generously, resourcing that expanded post through what we raised for a whole three years and the appointment of Bethany was the result. And has it worked? Have the hope for fruits of that investment started to materialize? You hardly need me to tell you. The numbers of children and families in church has risen steadily. The numbers we've been reaching through our school's ministry has dramatically transformed, as have the numbers for those invitational events, two, three, four times as many. Just take the one to 200 people coming to the pancake parties, the light parties, or the 200 that came to the Easter Trail that ran for the second time this year, most of whom, as with the Holiday Club, we previously didn't know. Then add to the fact that with Bethany's help, we've now been able to duplicate this activity in Deep Cut and Heatherside. As of this month, we've got weekly children's groups in both, often using Bethany's material. We now have light parties and pancake parties planned in both, Christmas outreaches planned in both. We've got schools ministry going on every month, if not more often, in schools in Deep Cut and Heatherside. We've got a new person in post as children's pastor there, partly because we were able to say that Bethany could mentor them. So your investment in two and a, for over two and a half years ago hasn't just transformed children and families ministry here in this parish. It's helped trigger and resource those things in two other parishes as well. The multiplication of blessings of which the Bible loves to speak. So what is our appeal for today then? It's that having conducted this experiment to step out in faith and expand our provision, we now commit to resource this as part of our ongoing ministry as a church by expanding our regular giving to pay for it, now that we know that it's needed, that God's in it, and that it works. Now add that to the cost of the lost income from those who've died who've mo or moved away since the last stewardship appeal, which obviously happens every year, plus the increase in costs that we're facing through higher fuel bills, staff pay rises, and parish share increases. We believe we need an increase in income of 2,200 per month overall which is significant, but it's achievable. And we hope to generate that in two ways. First, through new givers from our new families and other new members of the church. And secondly, through longer standing church members giving more generously where possible. Now that you know the benefits of what that investment has brought and will bring, including, if this is relevant to you, leaving a legacy as an additional way in which you can continue to invest in the future of this church. Now, we all have the same motive, to invest in the next generation and ensure that there is a future for this church. But that's also building on the many other church ministries that we have now, which bless us as well. You know what those are whether it's the seniors' ministry through Oasis, Coffee Stop, Film Afternoons, etc., the popular men's or women's ministries, our life groups or Alpha courses or Sunday services or our mission partners that we support out of our giving 
as well. Even our Growing Leaders course, which is flourishing and has started this weekend with 25 people learning to grow in their leadership gifts. So as I finish, can I ask you two things? Will you respond to this appeal by giving more generously or by even more excitingly giving regularly for the first time? And second, as we begin Generosity Week, and as we send you daily emails this week with things to listen to and reflect on, brief response actions, one per day, and prayers, will you engage with them? It'll only take you 15 minutes or so, but I want us all to go on a journey this week, helping us to grow in generosity, having our hearts changed, so we become more like the authentic disciples that deep down we all long to be. And so that we play our part, every one of us, in resourcing the ministry of this church. So that next week, we're in a position to respond to the appeal and share good news of how we've grown over that week. So we can know the truth of this passage that when we give generously, putting God first and pursuing that wisdom, her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. Amen. Can I pray for us? Yeah, let me do that now. Father God, we want to make the response that you call us to, individually and as families, not out of compulsion, but cheerfully led by your Spirit, inspired by the good that it does us and the peace that it brings. So as we leave this place, as we enter into generosity week and throw ourselves into those things, would you do something powerful in us so that you might continue to do something powerful in and through this church and beyond. Amen.